What's up, y'all? This is Dr. Craig Waleed, your host here on the Prison to Promise podcast, where I explore strategies formerly incarcerated people used to avoid returning to prison. On this episode, I'm joined by the good brother, Tabari Zahir, who is a brilliant and insightful brother who went to prison at the mature age of 30 years old. He served 10 years in federal prison. While incarcerated, Zahir used the wisdom and insight developed from his life's experience to fuel and direct his work within the federal prison system helping to promote various educational initiatives among incarcerated people. Today, he continues similar work, counseling the formerly incarcerated and facilitating their societal success by connecting them to various reentry services. The story of Zahir's journey is inspirational and a true reflection of what it means to go from prison to promise. You don't want to miss this episode. Now let's go. First and foremost, though, brother, I thank you for your patience. And I thank you for joining me, man, here for an interview on the Prison of Promise podcast, man. Right. You know, the big thing that I'm aiming to do with this podcast is to collect stories of those of us who've been incarcerated, who've been out of prison for however long we've been out, but we're pursuing a life of promise, whatever that promise is to us, with hopes of sharing these stories with the broader audience, formerly incarcerated people, people about to get out of prison, so that they can see that there's hope beyond the prison walls. And then they can see that people who just like them have been to prison and have gotten out and have done good with their lives, man. So again, thank you for just taking the time to be with me today. I'm honored. You know what I mean? I'm honored. I've, I've seen some of the work you've been doing, you know, on, uh, I think on your um, LinkedIn uh, profile. And, uh, you know, I didn't know I was going to be invited, but you know what I mean? I, I feel an instant, you know, uh, connection. You know, when I see formerly incarcerated, working with the formerly incarcerated, inspire, you know, mentoring the formerly incarcerated, I feel an instant connection and affinity. And so I'm honored to be here, man. I'm honored to be here. That's dope, man. And I'm humbled just to hear that coming from you, man. Yeah. And just, you know, uh, as we move forward um, in this moment in time, if you would, just maybe introduce yourself to the listeners so they can know who you are and perhaps where you're from. And um, Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, my name is Tabari Zahir. Uh, the work that I do right now is that, um, you know, uh, I, I, I run and I run the reentry portion of an organization called the Tabor Foundation. So the Tabor Foundation has been around for about 20 years, you know, educating people who are incarcerated, you know. Um, and then recently, within the last four years, we put together the reentry part of the program. Mm-hmm. So um, it started off as like a national reentry program because we have students that come home all over the country, all the major cities and minor cities. Um, and it was like, OK, it's OK educating them while they're incarcerated, but they've got to come home. Right. right. And, and, they've, and they've got to deal with this. Yeah. So how do we help them to deal with this? So it's like, well, we have to we have to you know, continue the care. 
So we've been caring for them while they were in there. So now we have to, you know, help to continue the care uh, when we're out. So I'm here in Southern California. Um, um, I'm about 45 minutes outside of Los Angeles where my father's family is from. My father's family has been in Los Angeles probably about 90 years now. And, um, and so, uh, you know, we have a large number of students. You know, we, the Table Foundation was founded here in, in California. And so, of course, the first people to hear about us and engage us were here in California. So we have a lot of we have a large number of students that's coming home to California. So it just made sense to open up the first reentry office here in Southern California. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and so that, you know, that's that's the managerial part. Um, since I've been home, I've been blessed, you know, mean to go through, uh, um, you know, a master's of social work program. And I am, you know, I'm what you call an associate clinical social worker. So I provide therapy. Yeah. Uh, to, you know, and I, and, and I mean, I can provide therapy to whoever yeah. but I've chosen to focus on the formerly incarcerated and, you know, people who struggle with different types of addictions. That's dope. And so, um, so I do those two things. I manage the reentry center and I provide clinical services, you know, to, to people who are formerly incarcerated. Wow. So that's who I am. That's what I do. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 you know, I'm from uh, California, but I've lived everywhere. I've lived in uh, Colorado. I've lived in Ohio. I've, I've lived in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I've been everywhere, uh, and you know, but 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 California's home. California's home. Dig it. So, how much time did you do, man? And how long have you been home? Okay, so um, I did. I I was originally sentenced to seventeen years. So I had a federal drug case. Um, you know, we were moving. You know, weight from Los Angeles to Philadelphia. And it just went bad, right? So yeah. um, I ended up uh, getting 17 years. But then, you know, thankfully, uh, Obama came to office and he passed that, you know, he wrote that um, executive order, you know, at the federal level so that yeah. if you had a federal drug case and you had no violence in your record, you know what I mean? And you were programming in prison and everything, you could get what was called a two-point reduction. So that, that two-point reduction actually took six years off of my sentence. Oh. So, yeah, so I did 11 years and came home. And I came, I came home in uh, early 2016. Okay, so yeah. you're just a quick minute right now. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you've been making some uh, phenomenal moves since you've been home and really shifting yeah. plates almost. Yeah, you know, I, you know, and just to be, just to be completely honest, um, you know, there was, there were things that were on my radar when I was incarcerated. Like, I knew... I, w I wasn't going back to prison. Like yeah. I, I, I knew that, you know what I mean? It was very humiliating, very degrading to be, um, to have, you know, people watching over you and they're less educated than you. They have less life experience than you. Um, you know what I mean? Their character is worse than yours. Yeah. Um, but they're your overlords. Yeah. And so it was like never, ever, ever again, you yeah, know? You so I knew that. that. Yeah, that, that, that was it. That, that, that first time, that was enough. That was me. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, did yeah. you already have a degree when you went in? No, I got all of my degrees when I came home. Okay, um, but I started. Yeah, yeah, but I started in there, right? Uh -huh. While I was in there, somebody came through the feds, and, and he was from California, and he was um, going through Coastline Community College, which is 
They have a wing that goes into the prisons and educates, you know, you get a, you get an associate's degree for free if you're a California resident. Yeah. So I just had to prove to them that I was a California resident and then you could get as many associate's degrees as you want. So I did start that about three years before I came home. Nice. Um, you know, part-time. And so when I came home, I was pretty much done with my first associate's degree. I knocked out two associate's degrees. I immediately jumped into the bachelor's program. And then right from there, I went right into the master's program. So, you know, so I did set that up. But, you know, uh, Dr. Walid, the other thing, and I have to give credit, you know what I mean, to the population, right? Because the times are changing, right? It's not just me making up my mind. It's also the population and different people in power. They're also making up their mind Say more. At, uh, on, 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 on how they see um, you know, mass incarceration. Okay, when you so, talk about population, you're talking about people out here in the world. Right, right. You know, so so you know, they're they're pushing for laws to get passed yeah. that you know it doesn't just throw people away, you know, you right. know, just lock people up and, and and throw away the key. Right. Um, and so it's it's not just I came out here and got on my hustle, right? It's that the you know that the foundation was laid. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? For me, when I when I came home, especially here in California. Yeah. Um, if you remember back in uh, 2012, the Supreme Court, you know, um, you know, charged the state of California with um, cruel and unusual punishment mm -hmm. and told them that they had to change how many people they were locking up here because right. and it was cruel and unusual punishment because all of the prisons were 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 were, were filled to over capacity mm -hmm. 150 160 200%. Yeah. So at the Supreme Court level they told California you got to change everything. Yeah. So California had to do it. They, mm -hmm. they, they there was no way around it. Yeah. Right? So I I came into that environment 4 years later where at every level at the county level, at the city level, at the state level Everybody is saying, how can we lock up less people? And mm -hmm. when they come home, how can we help them to stay home? Yeah. And so I came home into that environment and it was easy to find my place because I, I had the experience. Right. You know, yeah. it, was, it was easy. And you had the mind right. to do it. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's you know, right. And, and so, so, you know, it was just, you know, I was favored a lot of ways. I was favored, yeah. you know, by, by the executive order of Obama. Mm -hmm. I was favored by the community college, uh, mm -hmm. you know, out here. Yeah. I was favored by the work that was being done before I came home. Mm -hmm. And then I was trusted. You know what I mean? I was trusted by like organizations like the Table Foundation that, you know what I mean? They they looked at me and they said, OK, he's articulate. Let's have him write a book. Yeah. So I wrote a book and now we have over 10,000 students that are reading that book. Right? And what is that book? Um, so um, so the Table Foundation is a is a nonprofit, uh, you know, organization that has a religious base. Yeah. And it was founded to um, educate Muslims who are incarcerated. That's mm -hmm. how they first started out. All mm -hmm. right. And so so, you know, anybody, any any listener who who doesn't know, um, I would say there's anywhere between 12 to 20 percent of the prison population is it, they're, they're Muslim. So there's a large number of Muslims in, in, in the, you know, incarceral system. Right. So, you know, there was, and it was a need that the, the larger community, the larger Muslim community had not addressed in a, in a, in a efficient and effective way. Mm -hmm. So the founders, um, Arami Ensor and Nabil Afifi, um, they, they started this organization and they just started with like $3,000 in a garage with a cell phone, talking to students that came home and it just grew. Right. So now it's over 10,000 students nationwide, 42 states, 
over 500 jails and prisons. And, you know, there's, you know, on a semester system, long distance learning. And so um, they asked me to write the book that introduces the curriculum, mm. which is called Islam 99, Introduction to, Introduction to Islam, you know, with emphasis on people who are incarcerated. And so um, I wrote the book. It's about it's close to 300 pages. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, um, you know, I, I, I hear a lot of good things about it from people that are incarcerated and people that are, are not, you know, their, their families are reading the book. And, awesome. you know, I hear about it from Canada, you know, and wow. overseas. And it's like, wow, you know, wow, it's, that's it's, dope, it's, man. Yeah. So how yeah. Can get your hands on that book. Amazon, Amazon.com. If you type okay. in Islam 99, because that's uh -huh. the course number. Uh -huh. Islam 99, it'll pop up. Okay, that's on great. Amazon. That's yeah. great. And I guess since we're talking yeah. about your book, I, I typically ask people this at the end of the segment. But how can people contact you if they want to contact you? Maybe to have come you have you come speak or to learn more about your work. Okay, so um, you know they can uh, go online, right, and type in Taiba T A Y B A SoCal, right. And that's the um, the address and the phone number of the center that I run. Just call up that number, uh -huh. um, and um, you know, and you know, and uh, either admin assistant will answer the phone, and then we can book something, or you know, they can come out, or I can come out. You know, we can go from there. Awesome. Um, Brother, another I thing. You around Christmas time because I was in California around Christmas time. In uh, I would have stopped in somewhere. <laughs> You know? Yeah, man, I would love to see you, man. I would love to see you. Yeah. So, let me ask you this, man. If I could go back, because you know, we we talked a little bit about education and associate right. degrees, and you got your master's degree and so on and so forth. But how do you think academic rigor or academic curriculum or achievement helps to condition incarcerated people to do something different, or does it matter or, or not? What do you think is the benefit? pros and cons of um, academic rigor for incarcerated people? It's it's an imperative, man. Mm. It's absolutely necessary. Mm -hmm. So let me say this. Everybody is not going to work in academia. Right. Okay. Everybody's not going to be writing papers and studying and things like that. All right. But just to understand the nature of the modern world, mm -hmm. okay, you have to have the ability, you know what I mean, to take in information, yeah, to process that information, mm -hmm. and then put that information into practice. Mm. And you can only do that through education. Yeah, all right. Yeah, you man. can only do that through education. So I'm not saying that everybody has to go and get a degree, but at minimum, everybody has to be reading some type of curriculum, some type of curriculum. That's, you know, the focus is self-development. Yeah, yeah. All right. End of the day. Um, and, and so this is a this is another, um, you know, area of work that's going on, you know, with different organizations. I don't know if you ever heard of um, Ed Trust, no. you know, um, so it's an organization, I believe, you know, at the federal level, they use the federal dollars um, to try to create uh, educational spaces for the most marginalized populations in America. So the homeless, refugees, and now they've just, over the last two or three years, they've included um, the incarcerated and the formerly incarcerated. Nice. And their focus is on bringing education into the prisons mm -hmm. and 
into the spaces out here for people that are formerly incarcerated. Yeah. Um, so, so I, you know, when I was in, when I was in there, so I, I was lucky because I was in the feds and the mm -hmm. feds have more money. They have more programming, right. even though it was starting to decline while I was, mm -hmm. while I was in there, it was starting to decline. Um, but they offer programs, you know, mm -hmm. it can be vocational. So you can learn carpentry, you can learn heating and AC, you know, you can learn electricity, things like that. Um, but it was a local program. It wasn't financed by the feds. It wasn't financed. Um, you know, um, it was just the local community college was making it available. And, 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 you know, the education department took them up on it. Mm -hmm. Now, for a long time, if you were incarcerated, you didn't have access to the Pell Grant. Right. And that is what dissuaded a lot of people from 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 not you know pursuing higher education mm -hmm. okay because it was prohibitively expensive if you don't have money for phone calls how are you going to have money for books right and, and 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 you know how much those books cost oh, right yeah. one textbook might be 200 300 how are you going to get five textbooks and you can't afford to make a phone call right. right so there's there was a reason why the vast majority of you know incarcerated persons they they weren't they 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 weren't they they had no access to higher education. Right. right. But that law just got passed. Right. 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 So the Pell grants are now access uh, accessible. Right. right. Yeah. You know. So now you can go into the uh, now you in the prison system. You know. Um. You have access to higher education, and 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 the feds will pay for it. You know. I if think, I could say something real mm -hmm. quick because as we're talking about this this piece right here, it makes me think about some of the um. The slave revolts in back in the days, mm. and some of the slave uh, the enslaved people who led these revolts, some of them were literate, right? right? And so right. It, it speaks to you know the the capacity of literacy and how once you learn, as you said, learn to take in information, process it, and then enact it, so that therefore you become powerful. You know, because right. often people talk about information is power, but if you cannot utilize it to enhance your well-being and the well-being of other people or to make change it's no power it's just dormant power and right. so it makes me think about you know perhaps keeping the pell grants um out of prisons making uh higher education inaccessible was something by design you know it was part of this mass incarceration effort to continuously control black and brown bodies that's just my i mean you could you couldn't have said it any better, right? And 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 those ideas are just a natural progression of the incarceral system, right? The incarceral system so, was was set up yeah. to control the slaves, and yeah. then the continuation to control, you know, the blacks and the minority populations. That's what that, that's why it was set up. Laws were passed to channel them direct. The omnibus the omnibus the omnibus bill. In yeah. the 70s was set up to take people right into that system yeah. and cruelly punish them. Yeah. Yeah. So then why would you educate this this population and you feel like they're throwaway people? Why would you educate them? Right. But like I said, there's people out here now mm -hmm. that are advocating for this population. Absolutely. All right. So so that's one part of the equation. The other part of the equation is, is that it's too expensive now. Right. To just lock people up and throw away the key. Right, the right. recession that the first recession taught us that. 
Yeah, yeah. It is too expensive. It doesn't work. You lock up all of these people, 95% of them are coming home. Right. And then when they come home, there's still a drain on the system. Uh-huh. You so you know, it, it doesn't make sense. Right. So not to mention so, it costs yeah. more to incarcerate them than it does to maybe send them to college or send them to vocation, vocational educational training or to send them to mental health care. You know, exactly. it's more to incarcerate them. So yeah, the system is bass backwards, I think. Exactly. But exactly. it's changing. Exactly. But it's tell, changing. Me this, tell me mm-hmm. this, uh, Tabari. Yeah. Were there any, was there anyone inside the prison or outside the prison while you were incarcerated that mentored you? And how important is mentoring or mentorship for those of us who are trying to break these cycles of incarceration, addiction, and mental illness, et cetera? You know, to be totally honest with you, um, You know, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or anything like that. But the truth of the matter is I was actually the mentor. Mm -hmm. And and, and, and Dr. Waleed, the the reason why I'm saying that is because by the time I went into prison, I was 30 years old. Right. But when I went in, so I had kind of already lived a life like I didn't go in at 17 or 19 or 21. I had already lived life and I didn't live the average life. Like by that, I had already traveled to 12 different countries. Mm You know what I mean? Like spending time there, right? Like, you know, like I've been to Morocco probably a dozen times. And each time I went, I at least was there a month. Nice. I've been to Turkey. I've been to Tunisia. I've been to all of the capitals of Western Europe. You know what I mean? Zurich and, and Paris and Amsterdam. I did well, all this talk about 30, you were educated. This is where your education came from. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So when I go into the prison, I'm surrounded by people who... Uh, all they know is their hood. Right. So I immediately started teaching. Mm. Now, now the thing is, is that teaching is an educator too. Yes, sir. Because you have to have discipline mm-hmm. to, you know, impart the information at the level that they're able to receive it. Yes, right. Sir. So I had to slow down. Mm-hmm. I had to be patient with my audience. Mm-hmm. I had to be generous with my audience. You know what I mean? And 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 it was also a time, it was also a type of repentance, also. Okay. It was a type of repentance because, you know, like I said, you know, we were moving weight. And I, I saw in prison, you know, I saw, you know, like I saw the effects. I saw people who were affected by the same drugs that I was distributing. Yeah. Man. And now it's like you've gotta, you've gotta sit in your stink. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This this man doesn't know how to he doesn't this man right here that's in front of you. He doesn't know. Uh, he has no education beyond maybe eighth grade. Uh, he got addicted to drugs at 15 and then he caught a case at 21. And now he's looking at 20 years in prison, but he doesn't really know how to read. He really doesn't know how to articulate himself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I have to look at him with 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 sympathy and empathy. And be like, this is what you were trafficking in. How did this you is what there, this is what you were trafficking in, how, man. How did you get there from somebody that was moving weight, traveling the world, you know, living pretty much a privileged life? Now you in prison. You could have just said, you know what, these dudes, man, I'm just about to do me. You know, get my my canteen, my commissary, and just lay up and do me. What made you do something different? Uh so I, you know, like you know, um. The truth of the matter is this, man. Prison, for me, was the worst experience of my life. 
Yes, sir. Yeah, I, you know, and so it was like, if I already knew, because I am a Muslim, and you know, I I, I understand, you know, about doing good to others. Mm-hmm. All right, that you know, there's a verse in the Quran that says, "Hal jazaul ihsani illa al-ihsan." Is the reward for doing good other than just good, right? Like, if you do good, good will come to you, right? Like, so I understood that. So immediately when I see people, they don't have the right understanding or, you know what I mean? Um, they don't, they're not understanding the, their legal work. They're not understanding, uh, um, you know, everything is viewed through the prism of violence. Yeah. Everything is viewed through the prism of, you know, the lower self. You know what I mean? I you just you 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 say there's a better way, bro. And 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 so at, in the first first, I was doing it selfishly. Like mm. hopefully, if I do good, God will help me beat my case, right? Mm. Okay, that didn't work. Hopefully, if I do if I do good, because I went to trial and I lost trial, right? Like I didn't plead out or anything like that. I went to trial, lost trial, and um um. So I'm I'm looking for God's favor. So yeah. I lost trial, right? But now I'm on my appeal. Right. I, 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 I want to appeal my case. So hopefully God will help me to, uh, uh, you know, beat my, um, help me appeal my case. And I lost at every level, the district level, the, 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 the appellate level and the Supreme Court. And then I think that's, you know, that took about three years. But that's when the sincerity kicked in. Mm. It's like, no, you have to do this because it's the right thing to do. For goodness sake. For goodness sake. Right. Like you have to do this just because it's the right thing to do. And then I began begging God, you know what I mean, to help me to be sincere, because I realized that up to that point, you know, what I mean, I was I was hustling for favor, you know, with God, you know, what I, mean? I like like like, you know, I'm trying to make deals, you know yeah, what I mean? Right. And the deals weren't accepted. Right. Well, what you going to do? You're going to stop worshiping because the deal's not accepted. What mm-hmm. you going to do? Mm-hmm. No, that's not that's not sincerity. So I started asking for sincerity. And I and I just did the work, man. I yeah. just did the work. So everywhere I went, I was a leader. You know, I was I was a I was a leader. And um, you know, I heard people's problems. Um, I heard you know their struggles. I heard their pain. Mm-hmm. You know, we put out fires. You know, when groups in there they start fighting and stuff like that. You help to put out fires. You try to create a peaceful environment. Um, and uh, but now I realize that that work in there was preparing me for the work out here right it was natural for me to just go ahead and get become a licensed clinician mm-hmm. and get paid to listen to people's problems because mm-hmm. i did it for over a decade in there right you know what i mean i did it so did it you realize that that's what you were doing in there did you realize you were actually practicing clinical work without the training? no no man listen man listen the truth is when when uh when when rami and sore right uh-huh. When I finished my bachelor's degree, I was telling him, you know, that I wanted to get my master's up there in the Bay Area uh, with another college. And, you know, he was like basically telling me, no, 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 don't do that. Go become a social worker. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I, to be honest with you, I was offended at first. I was offended. I was like a social worker because I'm thinking social worker at the county office. Right. That takes kids away and stuff like that. Like I didn't, I didn't know that the vast majority of therapists were clinical social workers. Yes, sir. So then I'm on the campus one day, you know, he, I'm on the campus one day and I'm talking to this dude. He runs uh, in, in, in uh, a program on the campus um, for formerly incarcerated people. And he's sitting there looking at me and listening to me. And then he says, man, you should become a social worker. I'm like, yo, what everybody trying to become a social worker? He's like, nah, man, you don't understand, man. Yeah. Look, 
And then he broke it down for me. Then I was like, oh. So I really had to go back to Rami and apologize. Like, I didn't understand. You was giving me sound advice. Yeah. You was looking, you were mentoring me and I yeah. couldn't see it. I couldn't yeah. understand it, yeah. you know? And so, um, but he put me on that track and it just opened up. I can't, I can't explain to you, man, how much it just opened up vast new worlds. You know, the people I'm talking to now, like I advise judges, bro. Mm. judges mm. i advise da's people at the public defender's office right you they know. call me up and say yo can you help this person please just talk to so-and-so so-and-so and i'm like how did i get on how how, how did this happen you know probably <laughs> saying in one of his songs i think it came out of the proverbs he quoted you know he said the stone that the builder refused shall be the head corner stone Yes, yes, I know that song. Yeah, yeah, Marley, right, yeah. right, right. That's that's awesome, <laughs> though, man. And it's fascinating. Yeah. You talked about you know the things that you were doing in prison was preparing you for this life outside to really right. be instrumental in other people's lives, and you didn't even realize it. You know? Exactly. And the whole yeah, time man. I'm telling this, and I know you see me smiling and whatnot because it's very <laughs> reminiscent of my own experience. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, sure. Like, you don't even realize how the spirit is using you, man. Exactly. You, know? you just exactly. go with it. Before you know just it, you go with it. All these tools, then you get right. out, and then you get some certifications, some qualifications, and bam, there you are in the middle of everything. You know, and 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 the and the people are amazed, right? Because okay, you're you're just you're just two years out of grad school, mm -hmm. but you talk way more than somebody but that's that's the 10 years yeah. that i did in there and that's a you whole different education that folks whole different. yeah man so yeah. Those places, these 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 places that we're talking about these penitentiaries they can serve to either break us down which they do for the ma vast majority of us because they have such traumatic experiences as, as we know but they can also serve to build us up and to help us really realize our true grit, our true potential, and bring forth that which we didn't even realize we had, you know? That's true. Yeah. That's true. As long as you understand. Yeah. You know what I mean? As long as you understand. And that, I, I spent all of my time, and I didn't care if they were Muslim or not. I always just was like, look, man, use this time to break bad habits. Use this time, you know what I mean, to self-develop. Yeah, man. Use this time to improve your character. Use this time to reestablish broken relationships. Yeah, you know what I mean? Prioritize who you're going to deal with, why you're going to deal with them when you get out. And so, you know, you know, um, and it just, you know, now it's just a continuation of that same work. You know what I mean? Because at our, at our center, even though, you know what I mean, it, it is religiously based, we don't care who you are. The vast majority of our clients, they're not Muslim. The vast majority of our clients are non-Muslims. Mm -hmm. And they and they come in and they get, you know, we have a pantry. So they can get a free bag of food every week. Mm -hmm. We have case management, all free, right? right? You know, we pay for your birth certificate. You come home, you don't have your, your birth certificate. We pay for it. Um, we help you get your social security card. We have ID vouchers, you know, um, we have, um, you know, I'm I'm the lead uh, clinician there, you know, and believe me, there's no shortage of problems that people right. need to talk about. And they bring Absolutely. their families and their kids and everybody it's trying to solve problems, you know, vital um, yeah, vital services. We also have a substance abuse program, you mm -hmm. know, and we are, we just opened up a computer lab oh, um, because right. COVID taught, you know, I mean, if you, if you don't have technology literacy, mm -hmm. you're shut out. Yeah, the man. whole world went virtual. And if you didn't Absolutely. understand that world, you were shut out. You were shut out from getting the job application because they're all online now. Yeah. You were shut out from 
you couldn't even use your phone, you know? Shut up and so everything, bro. Shut off from everything. Yeah. So we open up a computer lab, and if you're formally incarcerated, you can come here, man, for free, and you can get oh. you know up to 500 hours of instruction, all free. Wow. You know what I mean? If people yeah. are in your area. How do they find where you are? How do they locate your 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 building or your your um edifice? Yeah. So um, I'll just I'll say the address here. Um, and then um, but like I said, people can go online and just type Taba T A Y B A SoCal, right? Meaning Southern California, SoCal. And our address and pictures and and phone number and email and all that stuff is right there. Uh, but our address to our center is 1887 Business Center Drive, Suite Number Three, mm -hmm. San Bernardino, California 92408. Mm -hmm. All right, our phone number is uh, 909-543-6173. You know so, what I mean? And and this is how this is how people can get in contact with us. Yeah. Um, and and um, you know, and but a lot of our referrals come from probation, from parole, from the from the public defender's office. I just got invited to go speak to four judges at the federal level now awesome. um, in Riverside, which is about about 10 miles away from me. So yes, I got to do that next week. But is it, you know, it's, 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 it's amazing to me. I'm just I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful, man. I'm yeah. grateful. You, you know should. What I mean, be, I'm grateful. Man. You know, I yeah. mean, and, and at the same time, I think the work that I'm doing, the work that you're doing and many other brothers and sisters like us who've been incarcerated are doing similar work. I think it helps to open the doors for people who are coming behind us. Because as you and I both know, there's lots of brilliant and capable men and women behind these walls. But sometimes yeah. they just don't know how to access the resources. They don't know what steps to take. But if they have right. the opportunity, I think, for at least I'm going to talk for me, I know some of the guys that I studied under when I was behind the wall. If they had the opportunities that I had, they'd make me look like a neophyte. You know, <laughs> right, right. You know, and they think that I'm the student, and these guys are the doctors because they're right. that brilliant. You know, so I would, I want to also say I'm grateful for the people behind the wall who mentored me, the people who helped me find my way. You know, which is yeah, great. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful also, man. That um, you know, uh, you know that like, I, I, I can say it the same way. But there's a lot of diamonds in prison. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've seen dudes, man, take leftover aluminum foil that yeah. their bread yeah. was wrapped in and yeah. make beautiful, beautiful uh, picture frames yeah. that, you know, what I mean, that other people buy and put, you know, yeah. their family's picture in and send, yeah. the, send the pictures home. Yeah. I mean, I've seen geniuses in prison on I've all seen levels, on all levels. Yeah. but somehow they fell through the cracks. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I know it says we only got five minutes, but I want to explain something real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Break it down. When I when I uh, was working on my master's, you know, you have to write a thesis mm -hmm. and, um, you know, so basically you're researching something and then you're explaining it, you know, to either introduce new research or to a continuation of research. And um, I did mine on mental health, substance abuse and recidivism. Mm -hmm. All right. And what I was explaining in my paper was that. Um, like 90 up to 90 percent. Right. Anywhere between 80 and 90 percent of people who are incarcerated have suffered some type of severe trauma yes, before they entered into prison. Yeah, All right. Aces. Right. Aces. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So you're talking about they experienced some type of trauma that they've never dealt with. They never processed. OK. And so that it, it takes away that of uh, uh, the ability to be creative. 
to be themselves, yeah. okay? But no, then, because they still no. got to live in this world, right? No. So then that trauma, in many cases, leads to substance abuse, right? Mm -hmm. That's the coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I don't want to think about, you know, um, I, you know, I got raped or I seen my mother get raped or I seen, you know, my mother prostituting herself or whatever. Mm -hmm. So drugs is the way out. Yeah, drugs is the way out. And then the drugs leads to the crime itself. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, what if mental health services was available to everybody? Mm -hmm. Right. So on that when, level. at the community level, so that if you need to process something, you need to get over something, you know, that that's available for you. It's yeah. available. Yeah. So then you won't have to send people to prison for the underlying. What's the underlying reason? What's the real reason he's in prison? Right. The real reason she's right. in prison. Right. Because of their social circumstances, mm -hmm. not because they're bad at heart, not because they they're you know, what I mean, these people are worthless. No, it's the social circumstances. Mm -hmm. All right. And it led to trauma. And that's what led to the original offense. And right? then so, prison re-traumatizes and so it, adds uh, on to that old trauma. So it makes it that much more difficult for them. To it break. makes it that much more difficult, man. You know yeah. what I mean? And um, and so, you know, it's, it's you know, and. I mean, I, you know, this is something that I can go on and on and on about, yeah. man. But I see the whole, I see the whole thing from a totally different view now. Yeah, totally man. different view. Yeah. And um, we we have a lot more work to do. You know what I mean? To 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 educate the society, to help the people that's coming home. You know, the re-entering society. We got a lot of work to do. Um, I'm blessed that I'm 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 in a in a space and a place that I can do it. And um, I'm looking forward, man, to just you know just keep doing the work, man. Just keep doing yeah. the work. I'm going to I'm going to reach out to you um, later, you know, about maybe talking around recidivism, because I've, I've, that's been my 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 focus as well. My my dissertation, as well as my thesis focused on avoiding recidivism. You know, okay. my, my doctoral thesis dissertation looked at the impact of emotional intelligence, helping people mm. with recidivism, you know. OK. Okay. Offline, we can talk more and we okay. can talk a bit about some of the work that we do that cor corresponds. But one of the uh, last things cool. I want to ask you, two things. One is if you could encapsulate your journey into a title, what would that title be? Lamps of Light. Mm. Lamps of Light, right? And the, the, that's it. Lamps of Light, the subtitle would be Educate, Rejuvenate, mm. Illuminate. Nice. Okay, that's what it would be. And the explanation is everybody is walking around with some light in their heart, but it gets covered over by the environment, by the trauma, yeah. by the, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, miseducation, miseducation, you know what I mean? All of that stuff. So, what we have to do is help clear away that soot. Mm. Right. That that that's covering the genius of every heart. Sir. And we you know what I mean? Like it only takes a little bit of light to do away with a vast amount of darkness. Yes, sir. Right. That's sir. so. So we have to help each other. We have to help each other to we have to educate each other. We have to re rejuvenate each other and we have to uh, illuminate each other. And so that's what I would call it. Lamps of light.
Brother Tabari, it's been great talking with you. I really appreciate your time. I feel enlightened, and I want to just wish you success as you move forward. And I Thank will you, be in touch, brother. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate, appreciate it. Too. Peace. All man. right. Peace. If you're someone you know would like to share your story on the Prison to Promise podcast, hit me up with a quick email at drcraigwaleed at gmail.com. That's D-R-C-R-A-I-G-W-A-L-E-E-D at gmail.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn and Instagram under Dr. Craig Waleed. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Waleed Craig. I look forward to hearing from you. Peace.